All the way from Las Giri to New York City. Aramoko to Kuala Lumpur. Lato Koko Maiko to Tide Tokyo. Oruko Jesu remains the logo. Shogo all the way from Las Giri to New York City. Aramoko to Kuala Lumpur. Lato Koko Maiko to Tide Tokyo. Ruka Jesu remains the logo. Let us bear logo, logo, Oluwa logo. Ruka Jesu remains the logo. Logo, logo, Oluwa logo, Jare. When I consider my life story, I still make mistakes, but it's made me righteous. I know the worry. The blood was shed, the price is paid. Be your ever for me, still. The family, but i me. Even when I know this of them, he'll never, he'll never, he'll never let me never let go. Be your ever be family, but I'll let him. Even when I know this of them, he'll never leave me, leave me.
Good morning. My name is Pastor Daniel, the lead pastor of Rave City Church, and I'm so excited to bring church to your home this beautiful Sunday morning. It's always a great privilege to have this done, you know, bring church to your home wherever you are around the world. Every Sunday morning is always a humble privilege. Thank you so much for permitting me to your various houses this beautiful um, Sunday morning. Last Sunday was pretty incredible. Last Sunday was beautiful. We had many feedback from a whole lot of people who told us how the 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 the, the, the enjoy the sermon that was being taught last week Sunday and the entire church like a movie concept that we you know pulled up uh, put put out there last week Sunday. So this Sunday promises to be very very interesting. I, I have a lovely message, a lovely sermon. I'm about to dish out today, and I hope you're ready for me. Um, I'm if you enjoyed the the Rave City Top Five countdown. I did, you know, and I'm sure a couple of you have noted down movies you're going to watch this week. Next week we also have something new. You know, Rave City Top Five will be coming every single week, and I believe you're all going to, you know, enjoy the whole process together. Also, thank you, Gates Baba, for that beautiful song. Uh, Gates is a phenomenal uh, contemporary gospel artist. You can check him out on Instagram. His handle is at Gates Baba. You know, you can check him out on Instagram. And thank you so much for that beautiful song. Thank you for that logo. So I love that song. The song is always on repeat in my car. It's always on repeat. I love that song a whole lot. Beautiful lyrics, lovely tune, lovely jam. Thank you, bro. I really appreciate you for that. I have a very beautiful teaching this morning. God's got this. Yes, whatever it is you're going through, God's got this. God has your problem in view. God is not elusive of your problems or trials or challenges, whatever it may be. But before I go to my sermon this morning, I'll be right back after this throwback.
Welcome back. <laughs> that was indeed a beautiful throwback. For those of you who were born in the 80s and 90s, a lot of you will know that Mary Mary was a phenomenal, was a beautiful song that came out. I think it was 1999, 2000. Yeah, 1999 precisely, yes. You know, when the song was released, it was a major jam. It was a major, major song that everybody wanted to be a part of. So thank you, Mary Mary, for that beautiful throwback. Next week, Sunday, I have another beautiful throwback for you guys. Are you be surprised where I get to dig out all the songs from? But it's quite good. It's good that we refresh our memories because there is a whole lot of negativity around. There is a whole lot of um, 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 bad news and evil news around. And that's why the idea of church like a movie is to help you take your mind off those challenges, off those problems and issues. There, you know, uh, uh, um, those those those, those problems that you know that you are currently facing or those that are possibly going to happen in the near future that you can't really um, tell or pinpoint or, you know, have accurate solution too especially the pandemic that we all have here today so the reason why we are doing all this just for you to just you know live your life you know take your mind off it you're gonna be fine you'll be okay god's got this like today's teaching okay so let's get into today's business as we always do every single sunday all right god's got this now i wanted to know that life is governed by rules i'm going to start with this now life is governed by rule. Everything about life is governed by rule. If you uh, 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 buy a brand new car today, there are rules govern, uh, governing how you drive that car, how you change from neutral to drive to park and all those things, how you ignite the car. There are rules. There are rules. No, sometimes those things don't look like rules, but there are rules. You know, when you buy a, a brand new phone, for instance, you know, there are rules governing how to use a brand new phone, how to put it on, how to download the app, how to you know use the phone in general. There are rules that are all these things you know and when you buy uh, if you get a new job for instance now there are rules governing your new job there are rules governing how you you maximize your new job what you do with your new job those things are called rules some rules are spoken of some rules are hidden but life in essence is governed by rules there is nothing you can do in this life today that, you cannot, that, that, that is not subject to setting rules. There are rules on how you wake up when you sleep. There are rules on what you do when you want to exercise. There are rules on how you eat, how you feed. When you want to cook, there are rules. What you put first, what you put last, what you put in the middle, how you add your seasoning, and the whole lot of ingredients. Those are rules. So life in general is governed by rules. And it's important that we know this as Christians and as believers. Now, if you, uh, 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 when we talk about rules in essence, now rules are different from laws. Rules are different from laws. When we talk about rules, we are talking about obligation that you follow or obey. But laws are rules with consequences. Laws are instructions that you follow. So there's a difference between a rule and a law. Whatever you tag as a law means that entity, uh, I mean, uh, a law is a rule with consequences. So when you have a rule and that rule has attached consequences with it, it becomes a law. It becomes a law. So laws are, are instructions or laws are rules with consequences. Now, if you look at the field of sport, for instance, there's what are called the rules of particip participation or rules of playing or rules of play, as the case may be. Rules of participation. And what does this mean? The rules of participation simply enables a fair play. 
when you see a sporting activity that has fair play uh, um, infused into its systems or structure it simply shows that they have what are called the rules of participation in other words every participant must sign into that rule to understand the tenet of what is expected of them as athletes within that particular premise within that particular uh, um, field of play if you look at the game of football for instance let's look at the game of football for instance when a footballer steps into a field of play the rule state he must not use his hand to play the ball so throughout the 90 minutes that the footballer is there the footballer cannot play the ball with his hands that's the rule but the moment the footballer steps out of the field of play he or she can decide to use their hand to play the ball the rules of play no longer apply to them if you look at the game of boxing for instance when a boxer steps into the ring to fight the rules of the game applies to the boxer but the moment the boxer steps out of the ring those rules no longer apply so the rules of the game only apply when you're in the field of play the rules of the game or the rules of participation or the rules of play only attach to you as an athlete in the field of play now i want you to hold this thought because i'm heading somewhere i'm heading somewhere i decided to give this premise to lay the foundation of my teaching today because i'm heading somewhere i wanted to get the real a lesson or, or or have a clear understanding of what it means that God's got this God's got your problem in view I want to have a clear picture a clear understanding of what that means so hold that thought and what is the thought when you are in the field of play the rules of participation apply to you when you are outside the field of play the rules of participation do not apply to you all right now let's move on let's read two important verses today book of second corinthians chapter 20 and also first corinthians chapter 17 we're going to read the book of second corinthians chapter 20 second sorry second chronicles second chronicles sorry my apologies second chronicles chapter 20 yes second chronicles chapter 20 and also first samuel chapter 17 we're going to read those two verses or two chapters um, we're going to read some verses in those chapters to create a further premise of what we are explaining here today so let's start reading from the book of second chronicles chapter 20 second chronicles chapter 20 and let's start from verse 14 second chronicles chapter 20 verse 14 i read from king james version it says and he said listen all you of judah and you inhabitant of jerusalem and you king jehoshaphat thus says the lord to you do not be afraid or dismay because of the great multitude for the battle is not yours but god's amazing this is a statement that we are all familiar with the battle is not yours the battle is god the battle is not yours the battle is we are all familiar with this word but do you really know what it means do you really have an innate understanding of what it means that the battle is not yours but the battle is god do you understand what it means because i see a whole lot of christians still struggle with their christian faith christians still struggle with battles they are trying to win but we're going to get we're going to have absolute clarity today as we move on now we see it there in the book of second chronicles chapter 20 verse 14 it says the battle is not yours but the lord's now let's go to the book of first samuel chapter 17 and we'll start our reading from verse 45 first samuel 17 and let's start our reading from verse 45 it says then david said to the philippines you come to me with a sword and with spear and javelin but i come to you in the name 
name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Now, this particular verse, the end part of this verse is where the name Jehovah Sabot came from. Jehovah Sabot, the Lord of armies, the Lord of uh, the Lord of war, or the Lord of armies. That's where the word, the, the name was coined out from. Now, verse 46, it says, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you and take your head from you, and this day I will give the carcass of the camp to the Philistine, to the birds of the air, and the wild beast of the earth, and the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Okay, verse 47, the juicy part, the juicy part, verse 47, the juicy part. Now, stay with me, stay with me. It says, then all the assembly shall know that God, that the Lord, it said, then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save by sword or spear, but for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hands. Now, here is King David also affirming a very fundamental statement in the Old Testament. We can see from the book of Second Corinthians chapter, Second Chronicles chapter twenty, verse uh, uh, twenty, verse fourteen, that the battle is not yours. When there was, when the prophet was speaking to Jehoshaphat, he says, "The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's." And let me explain something to you: the armies that Jehoshaphat was about to fight were not ordinary armies. These were guys that had conquered. They were the Amorites and the the the, 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 they were the Moabites and the Amorites. Those guys are crazy. Those guys, the, the Amor these guys have taken over different nations. They've conquered different territories, different space. So they were not just ordinary armies. So I wanted to know the, the magnitude of the, the problem that Jehoshaphat was about to face. But look at what the prophet told him. That the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. Now also look at what Samuel told Goliath. This is a man that is over 10 inches taller than David. And David told him, look guy, the battle is not mine. The battle is the Lord. So it behoves us as Christians to understand that there is something fundamental with the statement that the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord. Because in the book of 2 Chronicles and 1 Samuel, we can see that there is a rule of engagement in the scriptures. Just like we discussed about rule of engagement in the game of football or boxing. When you are in the ring of the uh, when you are in the ring, the rules of engagement of boxing apply to you. When you are outside the ring, the rules of engagement of boxing no longer apply to you. If you are a footballer, when you are in the field of play, the rules of engagement of soccer applies to you, right? But when you are outside the field of play, the rules of football, of soccer, no longer applies to you. Now watch this. When you are in Christ, the rules of fighting your battles are there. This is what it means. That the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. It is not something you discuss. It's not something you negotiate. It's not something you try to hold or hide. It's the rule of engagement in Christ. The moment you become born again, the battles of life are no longer yours to fight. <laughs> it, is, it is that simple. The battles of life are no longer your responsibility. It is not something you can negotiate with God. It is not something you have a say. It is not an issue that you have a say. Your say does not count. The moment you become born again, the transfer of the person who fights your battle moves to him. You have a different responsibility and the person who fights your battle, who is God, has a different responsibility. So we can see here clearly that God fights your battles, not you fighting your battles as a believer. 
it is God's responsibility to fight your battles on your behalf and not you. The reason why you are still losing all those battles you're fighting is simply because you are trying to do what God ought to do. You are trying to take God's responsibility in your life. You are trying to take God's position in your life and it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Just like in the field of, of, of play, a player cannot suddenly become a, a, the referee of a, of, of, of a football game. Now imagine you have a, a 90 minutes uh, a football session and, and the player is, is right there in the field. And all of a sudden, the player pulls off his jersey and decides to wear that of a, of a coach. It's not going to happen because there are rules of engagement that cannot happen overnight. It can happen that way, especially in the field of play. The same thing with the scriptures. The moment you become born again, the battles you fight are no longer your responsibility. They are now God's responsibility. In the human world, our psyche has been programmed to survive. Ever since Adam fell, the human psyche has been programmed to survive. I've been programmed to fight battles on your own terms. So every single moment you wake up in the morning, you strive so hard to want to do better. You want to fight your battles. You want to conquer this. You want to conquer that. You want to have this done. You want to have this result. That's the, the human construct. But when you are a believer, you are no longer driven by the things of the flesh. You are no longer driven by the human concept of existence. Your existence is now driven by the eternal concept of existence. By what you call the heavenly concept or the spiritual concept of existence. And in that existence, in that concept of existence, you being a believer, a believer is not to fight his or our battles. It is God that fights your battles. Are you here with me now? It is God that fights your battles. Now watch this. Under the Old Testament, there are two laws. Under the Old Testament, rather, we have laws under the Old Testament, right? We have laws, the Ten Commandments, and a host of others. But under the, under the New Testament, we don't have laws. The New Testament have rules. Hold on. I'm coming. Under the Old Testament, rules became laws. Because those things... I'm, oh, hallelujah. You know, before the commandment was given... The knowledge of sin was not imputed into man's consciousness. So even though the expression of sin was there in terms of, for instance, Abraham lying or uh, uh, Cain um, killing his brother Abel, committing murder, those sins were there, but it was not recorded, uh, it was not zoned in or recorded or imputed or imprinted as sin in the minds of those people that existed before the law was given. And that is why, despite the fact that Cain killed his brother and committed murder, God still had a conversation with Cain. Because there was no barrier. The consciousness of sin had not been imputed into man's conscience. Into man's consciousness. So at that point, it was just rule. Not what I told you earlier. That rules are obligations. Rules are obligations. That's what rules are. That's what I told you earlier. Rules are obligations that you obey, that you honor or follow or, or, or pay, uh, how you adhere, adhere yourself to. But the moment rules have consequences, they become laws. So what happened is that within that space, when God gave Moses the commandment, thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not, the rules, they were just normal rules. 
now became laws with consequences and that's what differentiates the old testament from the new testament so in the old testament there are laws with consequences you do what is right you get the rightful blessing you do what is wrong you get killed instantly or you get stoned to death or you get you get i mean you 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 you, you pay the price in whatsoever way it has been made on that particular sinful act but there is something different in the new testament the whole template changed the whole page changed in the new testament we no longer have laws but we have rules of engagement hallelujah in the new testament we now have what we call rules of engagement hallelujah so just as there are rules of engagement in the old testament which became laws in the new testament there is a rule of engagement and that rule of engagement is also important not where i was not where i'm coming from i give an example of what it means that in christ that what it means that in the field of play the rules of engagement apply to you but outside the field of play the rules of engagement no longer apply to you i give an example of what that means right now watch this what is the rule of engagement when you become a believer what is the rule of engagement in the old testament it says the rule of engagement in the old testament is the battle is the lord's right now what is the rule of engagement when you become a believer in the new testament what this now second corinthians 5 17 what does it say it says for whosoever whosoever john 3 16 whosoever believes shall not perish whosoever second corinthians 5 17 whosoever is in christ shall not so rather is that whosoever is in christ is a new creation so as a believer your rule of engagement the rule of engagement that applies to you as a believer is that you are now a new creation come on come with me now come on me church david and jehoshaphat were believers in the old creation because they believed in the foretelling of jesus so they were believers but they are not believers in the new creation context in context let me put it that way they were believers but they believe in the jesus that was foretold that's why the book of hebrews says that faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence not seen the substance of things hoped for is jesus christ the evidence not seen is the unity the union of jesus and man the union of god and man in christ jesus that's the evidence so they believed in the foretelling of those things but we in our time do not believe in the foretelling we believe in what has happened jesus came to earth he died for our sin he lived he died he resurrected so we believe in the gospel of his appearance now watch this now it says whosoever is in christ whosoever believes in jesus is now a new creation that's the rule of engagement for a believer if you do not understand the new creation rule of engagement you cannot really have a smooth christian life it's not possible you must have an engrafted understanding of the rule of engagement of what it means that you are a new creation for you to really have that victory life as a believer you must know the rule of engagement you must have an understanding of the rule of engagement without an understanding of this rule of engagement you cannot thoroughly you cannot thoroughly have that experience as a believer now what is it he says all things are passed away all things all things are passed away behold all things have become new so you are now in a new era you are in a new dispensation you are in a new dimension you are in a new phase and the rules of engagement that applies to you is different 
what is the rule of engagement in the old testament we are told that the battle is the lord also in the new testament the battle is not just the lord but the battle has been won Woo! <laughs> i'm going to explain this to you i'm getting to the peak of my teaching the battle is not just the lord the battle has been won hallelujah in both the old and new testament god fights your battle but there's something interesting listen here friends in both the old testament and new testament there are battles to fight in the old testament the battle is the lord's so you literally have to fight your battle to win in the old testament but in the new testament the battle has been won the battle has been won in christ jesus now listen to this carefully you can never win a battle you have not been commissioned to fight an athlete who has not been given or certified to run a race, if the athlete decides to run that particular race, no matter how fast the athlete runs, no matter how the athlete wins, the athlete cannot be given the medal because that's not the race that you have been commissioned to fight. No matter how hard you keep fighting your battles as a believer, you can never win because it's not for you to fight your battle. Your battle ought to be fought in God and in Christ Jesus, you have victory in those battles. Listen to me, friends. God has not commissioned a believer to fight their battles. Every single person that comes to Christ Jesus, listen here, friends. If you are a believer and you are listening to the sound of my voice, God has not commissioned you to fight any battle. No, he hasn't. If you are a believer in Christ, God has commissioned you to live a life of victory. Because the battle has been won. And that's why the name Jehovah Woo, hallelujah. Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord of heavens, the Lord of the hosts of heaven. Jehovah Sabbath, the King of the hosts of heaven. That's where the name was going for. That name was manifesting your Christian life. And the only way that name will manifest in your Christian life is by you understanding the rule of engagement in you being a new creation. Now, what is the rule of engagement. We know that the Bible says that whosoever is in Christ is a new creation. All things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. We all know that. But what is the nitty gritty? So Matthew chapter 22 verse 44. We're going to start from that. That we're going deeper. I'm going to the, I'm wrapping up my service now. I'm going deeper. I'm going deeper. Stay with me. Stay with me. Don't lose me now. Don't lose me now. We're getting to the, to the deepest part of today's teaching. Matthew chapter 22 verse 44. Is that the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Wow. Now this is a, a psalm that David said in the book of Psalms, not sure of the particular verse, that Jesus was reiterating here. That the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make, until I make all your enemies my footstool. Does that sound like, hold on, hold on. Doesn't that sound like the battle is not yours, but the battle is the Lord's? Okay, now you get it. Now you get it. Does that give you a little bit of inclination? Now, watch this now. It says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. David said, the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. Sit at my right hand. I'm now, I'm bringing you down to the New Testament now. To sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Speaking to Jesus here now. Can you see it? That the battle is the Lord. It's not yours to fight. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. Now watch this now. Now watch this. <laughs> Woo. This is going to blow your mind in a very beautiful way. This is going to blow your mind 
in a very beautiful way. Now, do you know that the right hand of God is God's most exalted position next to his? Remember the story of David. God, the story of David where uh, um, Pharaoh made David the second. Sorry, it's the story of Joseph. Sorry, the story of Joseph. Where Pharaoh made Joseph, rather, where Pharaoh made Joseph the second in command. That gives us a glimpse of what God is talking about here. That sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Now, watch this now. When Jesus came to earth, right? This is a revelation that will help you, that will fix a whole lot of your doctrinal issues. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Stay with me. When Jesus came to earth, the Bible says that what? John 4, 7, John, 2, John, John 1, verse 14. I think, yeah, verse 14. It says, the word became flesh and flesh dwelt among us. Or John 2, 1, rather. Yeah, I think verse 14 or so. It said, the word became flesh and flesh dwelt among us. But in verse 1 of John 2, 1, John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. There was nothing that was made of the word that was not made of him. Right? The word was with God. But in the latter verse, it told us that the word became flesh and flesh dwelt among us. So when Jesus was coming into the world, he came as the word. The word tabernacled on Mary and Jesus in physical form was created. Mary conceived a physical son. The word tabernacled on Mary and Mary conceived and gave birth to a physical son whom we call the incarnate. Right? Now watch this. Isn't it supposed to be that when Jesus is going back to heaven, he ought to change from being a human that Mary conceived, change back into the word and go back to heaven? <laughs> no, he didn't. Jesus went back to heaven as a human being. Jesus is currently in heaven as a human being. The Bible, the Bible said he was caught up in the heavens. He was not transformed. There was nothing transformational. He still had his mortal body, but this time a more divine mortal body. This is the body that he has promised every believer that we are going to have when we see one-on-one -on -one with him. He didn't change back to the word. Jesus is still the word. Don't get me wrong. He's still the word. But the word now has a body. When Jesus went back to heaven as the word, he went back with the word that has a body. <laughs> Meaning, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he didn't transform back to the word without a body or the word with just a spirit body. No, Jesus went back to heaven with the, as the word with a body. The same way he was conceived by Mary. He went back as the word with a body. Well, Jesus was in heaven before. It was the word. There was no physical body. When he became the incarnate, Jesus did not transfigure, transform back into the word that is just a spirit form. No. He's still the word, but now he has the body. Now, watch this now. Watch this. Mark, Mark 16, 19 tells us this, that Jesus was caught up. He was received into the heavens. Okay, now watch this now. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Woo, hallelujah. <laughs> Coming to earth. Wow. God told Jesus, sit at my right hand. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. What does that mean? The person that God was speaking to was not Jesus, the word in spirit. It was Jesus, the word in flesh. 
and Jesus the word in flesh represents every believer <laughs> so God is literally speaking to you to me to every believer that you guys should relax you guys should relax don't sit at my right hand see here until I make the enemies your footstool is can God's word ever ever go and return void it's impossible God's word would always achieve what he has been sent to do now God told Jesus sit at my right hand Jesus is now the the conveyor of the human presence in God's kingdom right there at the right hand of God is seated a human being <laughs> humanity is well represented in heaven through Christ glory to God this is sort of when I saw this revelation my spirit man leaped for joy I had a better understanding no wonder the book of John first John 2 1 says when you sin remember you have a high priest he's not speaking of some spirit beings because we all have a mindset that the host of heaven are all spirit beings no 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 there is a human being in heaven there is a human being the word made flesh is in heaven with the word made flesh <laughs> so when the Bible says in the book of um, hallelujah so when the uh, uh, okay, I was about to read the particular verse, but I'm not gonna, let me let me really explain this. Now, Christ in human nature, Christ in human nature was given a second a second to none glory in God's throne of grace. No one that just say, "Come boldly, I'm here." You know, it's very complex because God is spirit. John four two four says, "Whoever must worship God must worship God in spirit and in truth." God is spirit. So it's very difficult for you to come to God's throne of grace because you are, you are filled with fear. We are filthy. We are sinners. We are imperfect. But because there is a human representative seated at God's right hand, we can come boldly because he is our advocate. Jesus is our advocate. And he's not just some spirit, spirit being. He is a human being like us. <laughs> when Jesus resurrected, he asked his disciples, touch my hand so that you would know that I'm not faking it. You would know that I'm real. And he transcended that same way to heaven. So there is a physical human being in heaven. His name is Jesus. And through him, the entire host of believers are represented in heaven. <laughs> now you understand when I say God told you to sit at his right hand. Because you are now seated in Christ. Man was made qualified to sit at the Godhead. When God created Adam, Adam didn't have that much qualification. So Adam could not defeat the enemy. But as Christians in this dispensation, God has made us to sit at his right hand. We are not just Adam who was just a being on earth. We are now seated in Christ at God's right hand as human beings. Hallelujah, glory to God. <laughs> the story of Joseph, I said that earlier. John 40, uh, Genesis 41 verse 42. It said that Pharaoh took off his rings and gave it to Joseph and said, sit at my right hand. You are now my second in command. This was the same thing that God did to Jesus. God removed his ring and gave Jesus his glory and said, sit at my right hand. You have now been glorified to sit at the throne. You have now been glorified as a son in flesh. Remember that Jesus was God's son. But Jesus on the cross was told that for the glory that lay ahead, he withstood the pain of the cross. For the glory that lay ahead, he withstood the pain of the cross. <laughs> so Jesus being glorified was glorified in his human nature. 
And that is a nature that represents us. So as you are listening to me now from your home, from your bedroom, wherever it is that you are, you have the fullness of Christ in you and the fullness of you is in Christ represented in heaven. That is why when you pray, God hears your prayer because you are seated next to God. <laughs> I can feel someone screaming out there. I can feel you. I can feel you screaming and shouting. When you pray, you don't need to get yourself all worked up. You need to get yourself all carried away. You know why? When you pray to your father, you are sitting close to your father. The only reason you pray loud is when you are praying against the enemy. When you want to show your authority and your command, you speak loud against the enemy. But when you are speaking to daddy God, you speak with love. Daddy God, I thank you for this beautiful morning. You speak with love. But when you speak against the enemy, you roar like a lion. But when you are with daddy God, you are like a dove. Woo! Gentle in spirit. You're like a dove because you know daddy, daddy is not far from you. Daddy is so close to you. He's so close. He's there. He's so close to you. You know, you know he's close to you. So you don't scream. You don't shout. But when you face the enemy, you roar like a lion. And that's what God says. And what the Bible says. Glory to God. We're going to the end of our sermon now. I'm about, to, I'm about to wrap up my sermon teaching. John chapter 33. John chapter 13 verse 31. John chapter 13 verse 31. Listen now. Before the cross. Bible says, yeah, it says when, he got, when, when he had gone out, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. Matthew 26 verse 46. Jesus said to him, it is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man no more. He said, hereafter, sorry. He said, nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and the coming Woo, hallelujah. This is at the right hand of power and coming on of the clouds. So here is Jesus explaining his position. And the word of God told him, sit at my right hand. Stay at the place of rest until I make your enemies your footstool. Now watch this now. I want you to save this verse. Watch this now. <laughs> watch this now. John, first John chapter 4 verse 17. First John 4 verse 17. It says, love has been perfected among us that we may have boldness on the day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world hallelujah glory to god super excited as jesus is in heaven with his physical nature with his mind spirit soul and body that's the same way you are on earth don't what the bible says that whatever you command in heaven shall be commanded on earth it's see the whole of christianity is about understanding the more you know, the more you command. The more you know, the more you command. The more you know, the more authority you command. That's all. That, that, that's a simple reality. The reason why you are losing your battle is because you have no understanding that you are ought not to fight your battle. You ought not to fight your battle. God has raised us together with Christ. Everything that Christ went through in death, we went through with him. Everything that Christ has in resurrection, we have in him. That's why the Bible called us joint heirs with him. We are joint heirs with Christ. We are joint heirs with him. We have the same covenant. The same covenant that God has with the incarnated son. That is the same covenant that God has with every believer. Glory to God. The same covenant that God has with the incarnated son is the same covenant that God has with every single believer. Come on now. I want you to sing that in your thoughts. The same covenant that God has with the incarnated son is the same covenant that God has with every single believer. And that includes you. Remember again, sit at my right hand until I make all your enemies your footstool. 
That's God speaking to you. Sit at my right hand until I make all your enemies your footstool. Sit at my right hand until I make all your enemies your footstool. <laughs> now how do we know this? How do we know this? Why should we be at rest and be assured that God will fight our battles? The Bible says that in Christ victory has been won. <laughs> in Jesus the battle has been won. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 57 says, But give thanks to God who has given us victory through Christ Jesus. Now you see it in the Old Testament. It was the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's, right? But can you see it now? That in the New Testament, there is no battle to be fought. The victory has been given to you. The Old Testament believer had to fight to declare their victory. The New Testament believer, we don't fight to declare our victory. We declare our victory because we have the victory. We are not fighting to get the victory. God is not even fighting to get the victory. The victory has been given to us. That is why as Christians, we are to live our Christian life from a victory perspective. We are to live our Christian life every day from the victory understanding. That is why we are to live our Christian lives. From the standpoint of victory. As a believer, you ought to live your Christian life from the standpoint of victory. So when you are praying against financial challenges, when you are praying against sickness, you are not praying from the point of God is about to fight against that sickness, against that poverty. No, you are not praying against it from that perspective. What you are doing, you are praying from a standpoint of victory. When you are praying from a standpoint of victory, you pray declarative prayers. <laughs> When you are praying from a standpoint of victory, when you have won the trophy and you want to pray or speak about the trophy you have won, you do not speak in the in, in, in the tenses of you being of you playing a match. Let me give you an example. In the field of play, after playing for 90 minutes, you eventually won the cup and you raise the trophy. When you are asked to interview, you do not speak like you spoke when you are about to start the match. There are two different things. Before you start the match, your tonation, your context of discourse is in line with what i will win i'm going to go to the field of play i'm going to pay play for 30 minutes or 90 minutes and i will win the trophy i will because the victory is not yours but the moment the moment you win the trophy your declaration changes hallelujah your declaration switches you no longer speak like someone who wants to win a match. You now speak like someone who has won the match. And that is a Christian life. The reason why you are not winning your battles is because you are speaking like someone who is still fighting the battle. <laughs> I wanted to change your tenses tonight. Because God has not commissioned you as a new covenant believer to speak in past tense. You are to speak in to speak in, in tenses of, of, of you fighting the battle. You are to speak with tenses, tenses of you uh, of victory. You are to speak from the perspective that you have won the battle. When you pray against sickness, you do not pray against sickness like God heal me. No, you have been healed. You don't pray God heal me. You decree your healing in Christ. Oh God, why am I poor? Please bless me. No, 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 no. You call for those things that are not as though they were. Because God has given you the authority in heaven and earth. You don't pray for prosperity. You call for prosperity. It is your inheritance. 
It is yours. You are looking for the fruit of the womb. You are looking for certain blessings. You don't pray like you don't have it. No, you pray like you know you have it. You pray because you know you have it. When you are praying for the womb, you don't pray, oh God, give me a child. What do you pray? You pray, God, I have a child. <laughs> I have a baby. Babies are all around me. If you're looking for a job, you don't pray in the context of, oh God, bless me with a job. God, give me a job. No, that's not how you pray. That's not how you fight your battle. That's not how you pray. Because when you pray that language, you are praying like you are fighting battles. No, the Bible says that in Christ we have been made victorious. So when you pray, you pray declarative. I have that job. And be specific. I have the oil and gas job. It is mine. As I sent forth my CV, woo, the job is mine. The business is mine. The contract is mine. As I sit down to study my exam, I pass with flying colors. It is my inheritance. It's my heritage. That's who I am. I am a child of victory. I am joined hairs with Christ. I have the same covenant the Father, the same covenant the Father has with the Son. It's the same covenant He has with me. And I walk in that consciousness. That is how you pray as a new covenant believers that is the rule of engagement for every new covenant believer that is a new rule of engagement for every new covenant believer because you now have the authority when jesus spoke against the wind he did not say wind i want you to leave no when jesus spoke about against the wind he rebooked the wind and they calmed the storm and both stopped when jesus caused the fig tree he didn't ask fig tree do you want me to cause you no jesus caused the fig tree from the root and the bible says the fig tree dried up from the root upwards when Jesus called or cast out demons from the man, from the man who is mentally deranged, he didn't go about asking demons question. He said, "Demons, get out from this body and move." Why? Because he knew the authority he has. Do you know the authority you have? If you do not know the authority you have, you can never win the Christian faith, because the rule of engagement as a believer is no longer about God being the one who fights your battle. The rule of engagement in the new covenant is that the battle has been won in Christ Jesus. The battle has been won. Victory is yours. Jesus said, I have given you authority. I have given you. It's no longer with him. The authority to bind, to cast, to lose is no longer with him. It's now with you. The authority to call those things are, they are not as though they were. It's no longer with Jesus. It's now with you. But many of you are still praying to him to help you activate those authority that he has given to you. <laughs> that's what we do so wherever you are right now I want you to take the next 5 minutes and just make some declarative prayers declarative prayers, decree your words I am a child of covenant I am healed in my bones, I am healed in my flesh I am healed in my spirit I am healed in my thought, I am healed in my mind finance is mine, I am financially blessed all around, prosperity is mine I walk in prosperity, opportunities are coming my way, contract opportunities job opportunities are coming my way it's my inheritance, it's my inheritance in Christ Jesus, every covenant that God has with a son the incarnated son, God also has with me as a believer, because in Christ I live and move and have my being as Christ is seated at the right hand of God so am I seated in Christ Jesus whatever Christ enjoys as as, as as the one sitting at the right hand of God I also enjoy so I enjoy prosperity I enjoy plenty I enjoy provision the Bible says I've said I should not worry for what to eat or drink because my father knows that the son seated at the right hand have needs of these things so I worry not because I am seated at the right hand of God and I 
speak like a child who is seated at the right hand of God. I declare my healing because the healing was given to me 2,000 years ago. By his stripes, I was healed. Migraine, I curse you. If you're listening to me here now, you have any migraine in your head, I want to place your hands in your head and just curse that migraine. Curse it from the root. Whatever ailment it is that you have, I want you to place your hand wherever it is and curse it from the root. It's not meant to be there. That's not your inheritance. That's not your package. That's not what God packaged you with. You are a new creation. Remind yourself, I'm a believer. I am a believer. I'm a new creation. I'm joined here with Christ. You know what it means to be joined here with Christ? I'm going to preach about that some other time. I'm joined hairs with Christ. Preach that word right now to yourself. You are the prophet of your life. Speak to yourself right now. Speak to yourself right now. You are the prophet of your life. Speak to yourself right now. Lay your hands wherever it is and speak to yourself right now. In Jesus' name. Oh, Father, thank you for another beautiful teaching session. Thank you for your word of light. Thank you for your word of knowledge. Thank you for the importation of your spirit. Thank you for the fullness of understanding that has filled our soul and filled our minds and our beings and our bodies. We believe that henceforth we live from the standpoint of victory. Our Christian faith is from the standpoint of victory. We are victorious in everything. We are victorious in our job, victorious in our finances, victorious in our health, victorious in our ministry. We are children of victory in Christ Jesus and we walk without consciousness. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Excited to bring this today's message, today's sermon to your various houses. I do not take this for granted. I mean, it's always a humble privilege for me to share God's word with great people like you out there. Thank you so much for your time, your commitment, your consistency. And more importantly, thank you so much for your spiritual growth and staying connected to the Rave City Online Church. This is a place where God's love exists. Our vision as a church is very simple. We are commission to spread God's love to every heart. If you go through our page on Instagram, on Facebook and, and YouTube you'll find it there. We are always sharing God's love to every heart. That is our vision. That is our goal. That is our commitment as a church. So Rave City Church we have one vision. Spread God's love to every heart. But God is about to um, change your story. God is about to change your story. Because in Christ Jesus your story has been changed. The only thing that is remaining is for you to become conscious of your story that has been changed and start living in that consciousness. That is all that and that is why I'm here as your pastor to keep unraveling and unraveling and unraveling those things that Jesus has won on your behalf. Those victory that Jesus has secured on your behalf. Those giftings, those blessings, those spiritual blessings that Jesus has secured on your behalf. It's my duty to keep unraveling them to you from time to time. So join me here same time next week Sunday by 10, 10 a.m. I'll be so 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 expectant to have you please invite your friends invite your family follow the rave city platform on, on on facebook join the rave city platform on facebook and let us build a community filled with god's love see you next week sunday 10 a.m god bless thank you for joining rave city church online for this week's sunday worship experience we're so glad to be part of your life today we would love to hear how the message of god's love has blessed your life Send us a DM at Rave City Church via all our social media platform. Join us again next week Sunday at 10 a.m. for another amazing time in God's presence.